Wildcats to a, a long-awaited edition of Weber State Weekly. It's our men's hoop show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we've got a long-standing member of our panel, Dustin Chappie Chapman. Chappie, how are you? I'm doing great. I uh, screwed up shaving yesterday, so I've got a clean face for the first time in like seven years. My youngest daughter did not recognize me and was mad. Sure, dude. I don't think I've seen you with the shaved face, but happy new year to that. <laughs> and we got a new member of our panel this week. We finally got him on. We got Dr. Dan Hubbler joining us for the first time. Dan, what's up, man? Not much. Just uh, trying to stay warm on this cold uh, Monday and getting ready for school. Starting next week. Yeah. Semester starts next week. It does. And I'm teaching my first face-to-face in a long time on Monday night. And I'm so excited. So long time. Well, fellas, I'll tell you that I am excited to go home to Nashville where it is not this cold because I'm getting pretty tired of 12 degrees. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys up front going back to Nash Vegas. So we have a show for you all today. We've got a player interview. It's been a while since we have one. So we're grateful to uh, senior forward JJ Overton for joining us here on Weber State Weekly and talk a little bit about his journey uh, from sunny San Diego um, by way of Saddleback College and UVU uh, now playing his fifth season here at Weber State. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we have a game recap at a couple of games over the weekend. Wildcats made the trip up to Montana, taking on Bo- the the, Wild- the Bobcats in Bozeman, and then the Grizz in Missoula. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Then I've got a game for our panel. It's called Hot or Not. I've got my own personal takes. We're going to see if our panel thinks that they're hot takes or not so hot takes. But before we get into all that, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I know Spotify just added ratings to their um platform, I guess. So go in there and rate us, man. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go in and rate us wherever you're at. Give us five stars. Helps us to climb in the rankings and find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weaver State Weekly team, especially on game day, of which there will be many now that we're getting into the swing of the, the conference schedule and we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Support the work that we're trying to do. Uh, I think we'll be doing a patron drive coming soon, but we want to thank all of our patrons thus far who have supported the work that we're trying to do and spotlighting Weber State Sports and the, the folks that make it happen. So, Mr. Bandage, with all that, uh, grateful to all of those folks. Uh, but now let's bring in uh, senior forward JJ Overton. JJ, thanks so much for, like I said, taking some time chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Of course. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I like it. Why not, man? And so um, let's talk a little bit about your journey, man, because uh, this will be your final stop in your college career. Uh, started out at Saddleback College, originally from San Diego. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, man, because you've had a journey um, and you started out in JC. You're a guy who came up through the junior college. Your dad played junior college at Salt Lake Community College. So it's not unfamiliar with Utah, but talk to us about how those JC years kind of prepared you to make that jump to D1 when you eventually transferred to uh, Utah Valley in Orem. Uh, Well, coming out of high school, I I felt like I had a, I had to go division one and uh, you know, some things just didn't work out as I planned and I took the junior college route and uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was good for me. I think it helped me grow. It helped me see the speed of the game a lot different. Um, a lot of people will say the junior college route is 
a poor way to go or mm-hmm. uh, have something bad to say about it. But it, it really matures who you are as a person uh, on and off the court. I met, I mean, brothers for life at my junior college and um, you kind of just go through it all from on the court, off the court and learning how to grow, uh, grow up as a person. And it, it was definitely I, I don't regret anything about going to junior college. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that, you know, on the football side, we've had a number of guys come up from Snow College down in Ephraim. It's a two year. We've had folks transfer from Slick up to Weber State. Uh, you know, Mary Kay Amicone, who is, I mean, a lot of folks in Ogdenfield, Mary Kay's the GOAT, former coach at Slick and now coaching here at Weber State and has done a terrific job. Like, no dig on the junior college route, right? It's a good, it's a good way to get your foot in the door, especially if you maybe you didn't get those looks, you know, like even Dame Lillard, you know, had to, you know, got lucky that Weber State offered him. And, and here he was, you know, otherwise he might've gone the junior college route himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chappie or Dan questions for JJ as we move through kind of his story and his, his time in junior college at UVU and then uh, now at Weber state. Yeah. Just wanted to take a second. So one of the things I've noticed JJ is that when you're on the court, you, you set the tone for the, for the team. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, JJ Overton, JJ Overtone, kind of that system going. And, and whenever one of my favorite, uh, so moments, I should have called the episode. That's what I should have <laughs> called it. <laughs> one of my moment was uh, when we were watching that game the other night and uh, you put back that dunk right there and that just the energy that you brought. What I, I guess I better come up with a question here. What is it that, uh, motivates you to to bring that kind of energy well i think i think when it comes to basketball a lot of people like look at it look at it as like a job opposed to like you know this is just what i love to do and to be honest there's nothing better than away games i mean I love being at home and get a cool dunk and everybody go crazy. And it's the atmosphere is just blowing through the roof. But i tell you what, it is nothing better than doing something spectacular on the road and just hear the, and feel the energy in the room, just like suck the life out of the arena. And it's, it's really, it's really an awesome feeling. And, and when the whole team is like, these are our 15 guys at war and we're like, beating all of you like from the referees to the fans to the student section to the opponents like everything is just I mean it's a different feeling um but I mean I just I just play I try to play the game the right way and and try to do things that will help us win I I I don't I don't try to look for going for 20 25 points a night I just as long as we win as long as we feel good about the win and and I'm contributing to helping us win that's, that's really all that matters. And I just read the play perfect and was able to get a little spark out of it. So <laughs> that is nice. So when, whenever somebody, you know, like you said, JJ, you put back a huge dunk like that and then the whole crowd goes, Oh yeah. It and is. I know <laughs> it was quiet there. It was a little louder in my house. I startled, uh, our uh, dog and, and my wife when, when that slammed. <laughs> yeah. He goes, why did you just, well, that's always a good feeling. <laughs> So what about you? So JJ, a couple of questions for me. One, you you got the experience, what what, what Wildcat fans would consider the, the ultimate in big sky roadies, which is the Montana roadie. It's the one that we look forward to them coming here every year. And we look forward to you guys going there Uh, from fan perspective. What was it like being in Montana and hearing, hearing the crowd, both in Bozeman and, 
and, and Missoula and just playing off of that? Well, when we first got there, yeah, I wasn't expecting, I mean, there were, there were people coming in. It, usually at Weber, we get the fans coming there early. So you kind of get a feel of how the game may be. Um, it was really quiet when it was warming up. And that last, that last run out of the tunnel, it just, I mean, it was full. And I mean, everything these guys did, I mean, the crowd was just going crazy. Like it was the game winning shot. Unfortunately, that's what happened. But uh, you would have thought throughout the game, they would have hit a bunch of like spectacular shots that you've never seen before. So they had a really strong uh, fan base. Uh, I could see where all the hype comes from. It was, it was a fun atmosphere to uh, play in. And especially with the fans being uh, close to the court. I mean, you hear everything. So it's just kind of like fuel to the fire and kind of like makes the game intense. And uh, I think the referees felt it. I think everybody in the arena felt it, but it was a pretty awesome atmosphere. I'm not going to lie. Well, that was a great game of college basketball. I mean, that, that, that was back. That whole second half was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, what is it? I mean, uh, Travis DeCure, Montana's coach, he, he, he famously said last year that he recruits to beat Weber. <laughs> like he, he said that we were all like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. As fans, I think we feel like, and, and I think even with our cohorts in the Big Sky Podcast Network, like Weber always has the most athletic team, but it seems like Montana, you know, is usually second in that category. I mean, how, how was the Montana Grizzlies athleticism? Uh, it was, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, I, I think they did a lot of things, um, in pivotal moments. I think, uh, when they, when they went on their little six Oh run fresh out of a media timeout, you know, that, you know, they, they, they attacked their opportunities very well. And the timing just was unfortunate for us. Uh, but I think athletically they're a pretty well team, like put together team. Um, I think when you compare a lot of teams to us, you know, maybe athletically they're not what Weber State is, but I think they just got hot and capitalized on, I mean, pivotal plays at the best times of the game. And that was, unfortunately for us, the second half and the, the heave from half court and the, the half 360 spin and, you know, yeah. I, but that's just, yeah. that, basketball's imperfect. So, you know, it's, you bite the bullet and we move on to play Idaho State on Saturday and hopefully come out with a win then. Yeah. That three-point shot, especially the three-point shot, was like <laughs> really, like come on, really. Yeah, I got I got front row seats for that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last question for me here. So, and this is going back to UVU days. Mark Madsen being your coach. Mark Madsen famously uh, did the cabbage patch dance. Do do the players? Did you guys re realize that moment? Is that a moment that you guys all knew about him on stage when he won the title, dancing like a, a really bad white boy and make fun of him for it? Well, we we really looked at Coach Madsen like like he was the man at Stanford. I mean, like from highlights and just videos we've seen, and he he never really like was super like, yeah, I was the man, you know, it was kind of like a humble thing, but you know, us players like to give everybody a hard time. Um, but yes, one day <laughs> we was on the road and I was talking to my dad and he was like, Oh yeah, you know, coach Madsen did this with the Lakers and you know, that famous dance. And I was like, what dance does everybody keep talking about? So I finally brought it up in film and he was in the room and we were all laughing and he was just, he, he's a man of that moment. He, he said that was a very fun moment. He doesn't regret it. And I say, hey, that's all that matters. Cause 
Sounds like my life. <laughs> it really does. Even if you're doing it, and that's what you get to be known for. You're you're on, you're on stage after you won an NBA title, doing that with you know some of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA. So yeah, why, why not, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Now he's definitely Coach Madsen's awesome man, and for anybody that meets him, it, it, you would really like him. You really like him. Down to earth guy, nicest person you'll ever meet. So that was a, uh, it was definitely one of the highs last year. That was a really funny moment. So, but yeah, Coach Madison's that guy. So JJ, I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, you ended up transferring from Saddleback College after playing two years in JC, played two years down at UVU, uh, played for Coach Madsen. I mean, talk to us a little bit about your evolution as a player, right? Coming up from the junior college ranks, playing now in Division One, playing for UVU, uh, playing for Coach Madsen. Talk to us about how that experience kind of shaped your game to what now we've seen in Ogden for the past, uh, I don't know, you know, few, a uh, couple of months. Well, luckily I, I was, I was grateful enough to really take my game from level to level from like high school to junior college to the division one level. So I got to see all different types of like pace and uh, boxing one. I got to really learn the game and like ways I never really looked at when I was in high school and I was younger. Um, but I mean, going from junior college to Utah Valley, I figured out uh, how to stick to my strengths and how to master my strengths and what I'm good at, but also learn how to do different things. And um, with the game of basketball changing at a rapid pace from 14 year old shooting from half court and stuff, um, I think there's a lot of lost art behind basketball. So uh, just transferring and being around guys like Kobe and Dylan and, um, you know, Zaire, all of them, like I, I got I got to really study off of them and uh, playing them last year. You know, I was at Utah Valley for two years, so I knew what I was good at, at Utah Valley. So coming here, I just had to kind of learn from them. You know, how's the system? How do they have success within that system? And um, how do they score? Where are the open passes and such? And um, I feel Figured being an older guy, having a lot of experience, I can learn from them uh, to add on to my game, but also how can what can I do to help us win? And so it was it was a it was a little adjustment for me mentally uh, to be around different teammates than the ones I was at with Utah Valley for two years. So um, but other than that, I mean, it, it, I just just stay in the gym, man. <laughs> that's it. At the end of the day, that's what it just comes down to. But. I'm glad I made the move and I don't regret Weber at all. I've had the time of my life here, believe it or not. Yeah, man. So I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, obviously you made the decision, you got your degree and chose to transfer as a graduate student. Um, what was the deciding factor for you could have gone a lot of places, I'm sure, but you chose to come to Ogden. Uh, what was the deciding factor for you to say, I want to become a wildcat for my final season? Well, uh, when I was in junior college, um, Coach Daniels has been recruiting me for a very long time. I mean, since I was like a senior in high school and I uh, took the JUCO route and I went to the JUCO top 100 camp and he was there. And all of last year, you know, or my junior year, you know, he started at Utah Valley and then went to Weber State. So he was the reason why I went to Utah Valley. So I'd stayed for two years, make sure uh, I had the numbers to transfer, had the, uh, the opportunity to put myself in the best situation. And uh, it was more of an uh, academic purpose uh, for my degree and what I want to do and, and the whole master's program. And um, I, I was leaning towards education. And then Coach Daniels was happened to be at Weber. And I mean, he's been 
he's been supporting me since I, since nobody had really, um, he was always the first person that recruited me. He always called me, always checked in on games. Uh, when we was at the top 100 camp in Kansas, we played at like 11 PM and there wasn't a lot of scouts in there for that last game, but coach Daniels was, and, uh, he was a big reason why I came here on top of schoolwork. And then, uh, you know, we all know coach Ray is that guy. So mm-hmm. I figured I'd, go out my senior year with, with as much firepower as possible and live with the results. So. So currently in a master's program at Weber, uh, you doing calm, you doing MHA. What, what, what program did you go with? So I was going to lean towards uh, criminal justice. Okay. Doing CJ masters. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, let's talk a little That's bit awesome. about your time at Weber, man. Um, mm-hmm. Just got a couple of minutes here left. Um, I mentioned this before, currently shooting 50% from the field, averaging 11.7 points. Talk to us a little bit about, about your style. You're very athletic, uh, really efficient around the rim. That's, that's where a place you like to be. You like shoot at the rim. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. You're slashing to the basket. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and how the season has gone for you and how you found your, your spot in this new system that you've you know transferred into for your final year. Uh, really, I just, I just stick to my strengths. Um, there, there's, there's times where, you know, I'm going to have to expand plays and and do what I can, but, uh, I mean, being tall at the three position and, uh, I believe I have a, a quick first step. So I, I really try to use everything to my advantage. Um, I mean, playing division one basketball for three years, you learn all the tips and tricks and the the different uh, tactics behind basketball. So, um, I mean, I just try to apply that, but really I just like to play the right way. And it's all about, it's about the five guys that are on the court. And I don't look at it as I need to ISO and get a bunch of plays. Like, I could just play the right way. And when we play that, when I play the right way, I feel like everyone plays the right way and everybody's happy. And that's, that's just all that matters. And, you know, I'm, if somebody has 30, there's never, never a time where I'm going to be frustrated. That's just their night. I'll fill in how I can and just play the right way. I mean, it's basketball, so it can be anybody's night, uh, any night. So just play the right way, man. I just stick to my strengths and, just live with live with the results. As long as I'm giving everything on the court and on that defensive side, that's all that matters. Jappy, you got one more for JJ before we let him go here. Yeah, JJ. So, um, team started out really hot. I mean, you you guys were you guys were killing it against the opponents. Uh, you you guys ran into a pretty good stretch of out of out of conference opponents there. You know, Washington State, Utah State, BYU, Fresno. Like that's a that's a group of teams to be playing there. What was the takeaway from, from those games that you guys had when you guys hit that patch and, and came up against just rough, t- rough, rough teams and rough nights. I mean, what was the takeaway from those games? Well, I mean, those, those are, those are really high major or not really high, but they're, they're high major teams. And uh, I think you start off hot in the season because nobody really has film on you. Right. So everybody's in the portal, everybody's transferred and all you have is last year's tapes and whatnot. Um, but as the season progressed and we got all those games at home and Washington state and such, you know, those guys watch film too. And, you know, being, what was it? Seven and oh, at the time, you know, where one of the 14 teams undefeated, you know, nobody was coming into Weber thinking, okay, this is a mid-major college, you know, maybe they just started off hot. Like people gave us their, their all. 
And I think we got to face off against those teams that really gave their all. And and they, I'm, I'm sure the coaches told us that you want to play around at Weber, they will beat you. And so we we got we got the full potential of every team that higher major teams. Um, but the big takeaway from that whole thing was let's just get better. Let's, we tested our limits in Florida. Let's come back home. Let's test our limits again. I mean, we didn't have a break from, um, I mean, besides the Fort Kent game, but you know how that goes. But mm-hmm. uh, but when when it's time to get back in action, like we we were we were tested, and I think that that helped us figure out our weaknesses. It helped us come together more as a unit. Um, put together differences and selfish sides and reasons and such. And I think it was great for us. I mean, you learn if you're going to get your butt whooped, at least you're going to learn from it and understand what went wrong. And I think we're, we're slowly, slowly gaining back our rhythm, slowly coming back together um, outside of the Montana game. I think we played well at Montana state and uh, we just got to keep the ball rolling, but it was definitely all just get better and, how can we grow as a team? So that I think that was really good for us. Really, really good. Yeah, man. Well, JJ Overton, uh, appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with us. Obviously, like uh, you, you know, split the series in Montana this week. We're up against a good Bobcats team and then beat them in the brick in Bozeman, which was a signature win, I think. And then uh, it's always tough to win at Dahlberg. Uh, came up just a little bit short, but plenty of games coming forward and they'll be coming down to the O. So we'll be looking forward to yes, that. Yes, sir. Yeah. We are very much looking forward to you guys playing them. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's on the calendar for sure. Yeah, circle yeah. that one, dude. Looking forward to the Grizz and the O. But JJ Overton, really appreciate you, man, for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Wish you the best of luck this weekend, of course, against Idaho State and beyond. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you, man. Uh, I want to thank JJ Overton once again for taking that time to chat with us. Um, Really great guy. Good to hear his story about his journey. Um, I I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you guys give me your your takes on this. I feel like we don't see a lot of JUCO guys come up for, for the Wildcats. So good to see guys coming up and making an impact. Yeah, not lately. There have not been a ton of JUCO players, you know, for the past few years, because it's all been all about been all about the portal, and the more part of the guys that have transferred in have come from what you'd consider, you know, power programs. And so, a solid human being, JJ, it reinforces my thought that Weber State just they recruit class young men to the program, and they 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 are doing things. That's a that's a heck of a young man right there. Hey guys, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about these two games. We talked to JJ a little bit about them, about that uh, that Montana roadie, uh, which is one of the tougher ones in the conference. Um, so let's start out with this Montana State game. Um, start the trip off with a win in Bozeman, like we said. Over, I mean, this Montana State squad is good. I mean, yeah. J- Jabril Bello. I mean, Xavier Bishop. Like they got some guys, man. I mean, these guys were good. But uh, the thing that I thought was probably the most impactful was Kobe McEwen in this game. Led all scorers with a career high 31 points. And keep that in mind, like this man scored 31 points having played at some pretty, pretty big programs like Utah State, uh, Marquette, and had the opportunity to really kind of show what he can do up in Bozeman, ended up with 31. Uh, That's kind of the question I wrote in the the rundown for you guys was, do you think teams are going to be kind of gunning for him as the season wears on because they know what a threat he can be? Because he's had some, some really good nights and like that Utah State game. I mean, he was a guy who was really, I mean, you saw it in the second half. They knew that he was hurting them and they they did everything they could to slow him down. And uh, it sounds like Montana State maybe uh, wasn't quite as ready for him. And uh, he put up 31 on him. Well, I think what we're seeing from uh, 
the rest of the team is that if we have Kobe playing that well and they go after Kobe there, that opens up a lot of opportunity for some of those hyper shots from JJ. Uh, and I, I think we're seeing a lot of that. If we can get them to guard the outside, the inside opens up a lot more. Uh, and I think we've got the speed to be able to do that. Chappie, what about you? Yeah, I very much agree with that. Uh, what I saw was, was a team that was that found their stroke from three. And it's we've said on this show many times, Weber State tends to the success tends to live or die at the three point line, and it was there against Montana State, and, and they found it. They found the stroke, and and it helped. I mean. Uh, and shout out to Dyson Kohler, man. I mean, was it, yeah. was it three and three from the three point line hit those back to back ones early in the second half? Like, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> and that, that, that kid can shoot. And, um, Weber state needs to, needs to be hit, needs to hit the three. That is their first go-to option on offense to win games is to hit the three. No, they shot the they shot the three really really well. Ended up at sixty percent in that game. I mean, Kobe McEwen five of seven, Dylan Jones two of four, JJ Overton one of two. That's fifty percent. Um, three of three from Dyson Kohler Porter one of three. That's thirty three percent. You know, like a, a good night from the three point line. And, and like you said, Chappie, I think one that maybe the Wildcats had needed because. The previous teams, like we talked, that they had played in the out-of-conference schedule, it depressed the three-point numbers because going into that stretch, they were a really good three-point shooting team. Um, ran up against some tough defenses, had some off-shooting nights. Uh, and so that number is now down around, I think, like 32% on the year. But I don't think that's indicative of who they are. I mean, this is a team that can shoot the ball really, really well. Yeah, no, I, I very much agree with that. Uh, and it was a good night. You know, Weber State played a solid game. You can tell coming off of, you know, the, the out-of-conference schedule, the, 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 the murderer's row that we had mentioned there of out-of-conference games that they, they wanted to they, – they came out with purpose against Montana State and it showed. So I want to talk a little bit about the flip side of that. Um, talk about defense now. Bobcats are also a good shooting team. They're second best in the conference behind the Wildcats. Um, they uh, they hit normally 45% from two and 35% from three, but they struggled in this one. They only shot 37.5 field goal range, 15% from three. So well below their average. Uh, do you think it was an off shooting night or you know, the Wildcats kind of amped up their perimeter defense after learning some pretty tough lessons in that out of conference schedule. Dan, what do you think? I think that was the big part of it was that they saw a lot of open threes that were in those out of conference games and they fixed it. They, uh, they addressed that. Um, there's still going to be people that hit those threes that are guarded. That's okay. You'll take those. But if you're sitting yeah. there and you're contesting those threes, the odds are usually in your favor. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that in the next game. But Chappy, thoughts on um, the Bob, the Bobcats struggling to shoot in this one? Because th the struggles, I think, have persisted. I think they they struggled to shoot in, the, in their next game against Idaho State. I think it was. Yeah, I uh, I have uh, I have liked the Wildcats' defensive presence the whole season. I mean, it, Utah State and BYU both were games where. <laughs> it was, it was, it was angering because it was like for 30 seconds of the shot clock, we were playing outstanding defense and then it was good. Something, something would just open and whatever. But I have felt all year the, the Wildcats knew how to lock down on D they get their hands up. They, they make steals. They, they're, they're all over the place. Um, so I feel like Weber is a very good defensive team and it showed against, against Montana state. 
uh, and, and even though, you know, Jabril Bello, he's, he's a heck of a ball player. I liked him last oh, yeah. year when we watched him in Ogden. He was yeah, good the other good. night. Even though he had 22 points, I don't – a lot of it came from the free throw line. Like, I, I felt like like Alex, too, especially – played him well. Like I, I, I felt like we did okay. Well against, against their big man. Yeah. And especially a guy who is as physical as Bello is. Cause I mean, he's physical. Uh, he only yeah, he has is. logged seven rebounds. I mean, and I think that's saying something that's, that's good positioning, you know, and getting guys out there. So only seven rebounds in 35 minutes uh, and drawing four fouls. Um, pretty good numbers against the guy who is a very, uh, he's the, I, I guess he's the Isaiah Fonse for their hoops team <laughs> because man, that, that man likes to play in the post. The other um, thing with, with these three point shots um, that the opponents aren't being able to make. The other thing that Weaver's really good at, at least they have been the last couple of games is they're not giving them second chances. They, the rebounding, the hunger mm-hmm. that they have in that ball on defense when once the first shot's up is something that I look for. And there've been years where I've been in the, you know, watching the games there at the D and I'm like, why don't they get the rebound? That's not something I'm asking a lot of this year, because whenever the um, they're playing defense, they're usually getting that rebound. They're not allowing a lot of second chance shots. Yeah, that's uh, we'll talk about this. Uh, this was going to be, this is my highlight for the Montana game, oh, but sorry about that, that. that is, that, that is I mean, Dylan Jones is, He's he's sucking every rebound that's available anywhere if it's even yeah. remotely available. He's 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 doing his best Paul Millsap, <laughs> Dennis Rodman impersonation and just sucking up the rebounds wherever they are. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's one of the big reasons why he has gotten three conference players of the week in this early season, right? I mean, he's he's rebounding the ball, he's also scoring. I mean, double double machine, you know, like, and he's getting steals, like do it all DJ. Like he's, he's doing it, man. And so I'll have more about that, but let's talk a little bit about got the dub, uh, uh, ended up beating the Bobcats by 10 points in the brick, which was, uh, like I said, a quality win. Cause that is going to be a tough team. I have them as a top four team in the conference. Um, and to get the win on the road against them is big, but then of course, taking the trip to Missoula, which is always a difficult one. So I wrote in the, in, in the rundown, Grizz, Dahlberg, Wildcats lose by two. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's tough, man. So, I mean, always a struggle to get dubs in Missoula, guys. What stood out to you in this one? I'm trying to think of how to describe this. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they really let them play the last two minutes. <laughs> and and what I mean by that is Dan, that last congr- couple of possessions, huh? Dan, congratulations for doing it without swearing because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't <laughs> oh, yeah, been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, especially it, our man, JJ. Yeah, I was expressing a little bit of frustration during the game, but my goodness, yeah, it, it seemed a little like, and, and this is the truth, and I think the uh, players know this, you have to play through that. That's true. But it got a little frustrating there uh, at the end there for the last uh, two minutes or so. So, yeah, we didn't even talk about how Montana State, that was the weirdest foul calling game I've ever seen where it was like every oh, other. It was like a was free throw contest instead of a basketball game. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. want to go into that too much. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Wildcats. Uh, let's see. Montana State was 30 of 38 from the free oh throw line. Gosh. The Wildcats were 29 of 38 from the free throw line. So, I mean, even amounts of attempts, but gosh, that's what? 70, 76 attempts? It's a different that's kind of ball game. 
And the refs, and the refs would come away saying, hey, we call it even. They're, they both had the same amount of free throws. <laughs> and for their credit, it was very consistent in but it was still weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole thought out there. There's a whole thought out there about how, and I don't necessarily know what the answer is, but that, you know, refereeing in the college game just absolutely ruins it. And as the years go on and on, I, I tend to agree with that and I, I don't want to agree with it. Well, yeah, I'll say this. You go I went. I went to the I went to the women's game on Saturday against against the Grizz and who boy did I have some beef with the, with the refs because man that was a soft whistle Wildcats ended up getting the dub and we'll talk about that tomorrow with our panel but yeah man but I want to go back to this Grizz game guys um, talking a little bit about we've talked a little bit about what stood out um, one of the things that stood out to me was the fact that the Grizz shot fifty two percent from three that's well above their average of thirty six percent I mean do you guys think that they just got hot. They just got lucky. Cause like I look at the numbers here and you've got, uh, you've got guys like, Oh, let me go. Let me come back up here. Nope. Here's where I need to be. You've got guys like Robbie Beasley, who's just, you know, hitting it five of nine, you know, and then everybody else, you know, one of one for Josh Bannon, uh, you've got two, four for Derek Carter Hollinger. You know what I mean? Just like, just guys just getting theirs. Cameron Parker has one, you know, Lonel Martin gets one of two, you know, just, just a hot night for them. Not normally they're 10 of 19 from three. The, 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 when the shot clock goes off, he gets just, just throws it up there. Just. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, and a shot like that is the difference in the game, obviously. Right. Because yeah. Wildcats end up losing by two on a turnaround, throw it in kind of thing. And then uh, not able to get the three on the other end. Uh, Chappie, what about you? Thoughts on on the three point shooting from the Grizz? An anomaly or uh, uh, just another lapse on uh, perimeter defense for the Wildcats? Still working on that aspect of the game. Yeah, they're, they're still got to work on that. They, they got to get the guy, you know, the perimeter. The, the, we again, we we're referencing BYU and Utah State and, and Fresno too. Like when they were when they were letting the shot go in it was always that last pass to a guy on the perimeter um so whatever it is yeah weber still has to has to figure out how to to defend that but travis DeCure, man like that guy knows he he knows like you know jj mentioned guys watching film like i feel like that guy spends i, sp- I feel like that coach spends like his entire year watching Weber state film. And this is like the only game that he prepares for because he knows that it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, if you beat Weber, you win the conference. <laughs> so well. whatever it is, man, he, 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 it's, he, he gets his guys up to play Weber. Yeah. And I mean, if you, uh, I can't remember, I think there's this, if you're not following this guy on Twitter, go do it. This guy named at Weber hoops. He's on Twitter and Instagram. Been posting a lot of good stuff about historical Weber state stuff. Um, but he had a tweet the other day that noted the fact that between the Grizzlies and, and the Wildcats, they've won some 57% of conference championships in the big sky. Like, Makes sense that Dakura is like, listen, if I want the conference championship, it's probably going to you know, probably gonna have to beat Weber at some point. And so if I do a good job there, I've got a real shot, right? Because we have these ups and downs where maybe it's North Dakota one year. And we saw that, right? With the Wildcats face the, 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 the fighting Hawks in the championship game, or, you know, Iwu has had their, their couple of years now and they're a scrappy team, but maybe not, you know, a contender. 
Then you've got SUU who seems to look good or Northern Colorado looks good. Uh, They're going to have those up and down years, but you're probably going to see the Weber State Wildcats in the top four in the conference. And you're probably going to see them in the conference tournament. And so you got to make sure that you are ready to beat them. And DeCure always seems ready to beat them. Well, they definitely. Uh, Last thing. Sorry, guys, go ahead. Oh, I was saying they definitely brought their A game. So, yeah. Yeah. And they, and they do, right? Like it's tough to win at Dahlberg, especially if you're a Weber State Wildcat fan. I think, uh, what was the numbers in, in Randy's career? Has only won in, in, in Missoula like four times. Four yeah, times. It, was, it was pretty low. Stuff. Uh, last question, guys, before we move on to our final segment Montana is the worst team in the conference at guarding the three point line. They are the worst. They give up 39% from three point range. But the Wildcats shot just 29% from, you know, and that's a little bit lower than, you know, the average, like I said, is 32%. Um, I think that number is a little bit depressed because of some, you know, some rough showings against some really good teams. I think that we're more a 35, 36%, at least three point shooting team. Uh, But gosh, uh, I think, do you, I mean, I think that that's probably the secret to beating the Grizz when, when the Grizz come down to the O and play in the Purple Palace. Do you guys agree? Do you think that the three point shot, uh, should it fall, is, going to bury the Grizz when they come to Ogden or will they be ready? I, I think we can take them. I think a lot of what is going to happen with the three point shot. So much of that is right here, right? It, it's in the mind and it's, it's getting in that, that mindset of not overthinking it, getting in that groove. Um, and that can be a challenging thing. And, and I think I saw a few of those shots uh, there in Montana that, uh, I would say where some of the players, you can almost feel like they were overthinking it. Like they were overprepared for it in a way. And they just have to trust and go with the flow on that. And um, I hope they get that. I, I think they will. So, but I think a lot of that comes down to what happens on the inside game. If we can get some of that inside, if we get those passes to two, if we can get those passes to Carlson and get a few of those shots in there, keep them honest on the inside, that will definitely open up to where they have a little bit more of a routine and get into a rhythm there at the three line. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it helps with the spacing immensely, right? To have that good inside game where you have to be able to guard. And so then got somebody like McEwen or, um, or Dylan Jones or Zaire Porter out there ready to hit that three, you know, and the nice thing is we got bigs who can also stretch the floor and shoot the three and Cody Carlson and Dante Bassett. And so uh, a lot to like from the three point line for this Wildcats team. Uh, just uh, all about finding the opportunities, and we haven't and we haven't mentioned Sigu at all, who I know, was absolutely say, dynamite. One of, one thing I wanted season. to mention about Sigu that I saw in the Montana game that I thought was just fantastic was when he was driving right in there in, in that inside game and pulling up and taking those jump shots. He was keeping the uh, Montana defense honest and keeping them on their toes. And it wasn't the three that got him there; it was driving inside, hitting those those layups and hitting a couple of those pull up jumpers that really kind of changed the dynamic in a good way, I think. And so I don't know, I'm not one to judge what one strength is and not, but I did notice that. And I thought that was a great, great thing that he did. Yeah. So uh, on the topic of, of watching film, as JJ Overton mentioned, uh, personally, I think that the key to Weaver State shooting well from three is, is Sigu. <laughs> like when he, when he's hitting for three, it's like the whole team is hitting for three, but you know, a couple of stats. He was 0 of one from three against Montana State, mm-hmm. and he was one of two. Um, no, he was 0 of one again oh, from one. from uh, against the Grizz. So he's not shooting for three, and 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 I don't think that's by accident. I don't think it's that he doesn't want to. I think it's the teams are taking that away from him. Right. Yeah. So so now it's it's going to be 
counter coaching of, okay, we know that they're doing this to take him out of three point rhythm. How do we now find a way to get him open so he can hit those? Because I, to me, it just, if the games where Sigu is hitting from, from deep, it seems like everything clicks for us, especially from three point range. It, it seems to get everybody else hitting, hitting as well. So, so, you know, coaching is a chess match. I mean, it, it 100% is a big chess match. And for, for whatever coaches are doing right now to take that three away from Sigu, and we saw it again in the, in the, the games, the, the stretch, the Washington State, BYU, Utah State, uh, Fresno State stretch, we saw that exact thing happen. So, so now the chess match just has to evolve. And we have to figure out how to, how to get Sigu the ball. Or like, like Dr. Dan was saying, get him involved by, by driving the ball and kicking it back out. Like there, there, there is now a counter move to be made with Sigu to get him back involved in the offense somehow. Yeah. Because like we said, uh, we saw last year how absolutely dynamic he can be when he's hitting shots. Like you, like you noted, Dan, uh, driving into the paint and either, you know, hitting some of those nice soft touch shots, you know, flying up over the outstretched hands of the defense or spreading the floor with a full complement of, you know, um, of shooters with bigs inside, just, he's a guy who can really do all of those things. And we know that about him. Uh, it's just a matter of, of getting him involved, I guess, or figuring out a way to counter coach, like you were saying, Chappie, giving him those kinds of looks and opportunities, because we know that, you know, given them, he can definitely hit them. Just pulling up some of his numbers right now for this season, um, because it's been a little bit quiet for him, even though he has been starting, um, averaging right now. I mean, it, Field goal percentage is not bad, shooting 44% right now and shooting 36% from three. So it's not like the shots that he's getting aren't falling. When he's getting them, you know, by and large, they're falling, shooting 72% from the line, averaging about 10 points a game, right? If you bump that up to 12, 14, I mean, or a little bit more, I mean, very, very dangerous, right? And he's quietly getting these points, you know, got 10 points or uh, six points in, in the Montana game. Okay, three points in that game. But like you go back to, the Utah State game, he had 16 in that game, right? Uh, the Portland State win had 17 in that game. Dixie State, 23. Green Bay, 20. I mean, so he's yeah. had opportunities to contribute. Uh, it's just a matter of getting them there. Sigu needs, to, to me, the, when Weber State is playing best, it's when Sigu has about 15 points, right? Him, yeah. him getting 15 points in a game seems to just make everything around it around it better. But uh, quick shout out though, a uh, last note for me on, 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 the, on the Montana game, <laughs> Dylan Jones with 17 points and 16 rebounds. Like that is the most do it all DJ scoreline of the season. Like that's, it's, you know, when somebody's like, oh, a guy got a double, double, you know, like 10 points and 10 rebounds is one thing, but like 16 rebounds. You know, and, and he's, he's not, he's never the biggest guy on the court. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I, I love, love watching that guy play basketball. Yeah. I mean, the next closest, uh, Josh Bannon for the Grizz had 10, you know what I mean? Like just a great, a great performance by him. Only thing that has me worried 40 minutes in that game. Yeah. yeah we're you can really see that in all of our games. Wow. Yeah. All right, guys, a uh, lot, uh, obviously, I think a pretty decent trip, uh, all things considered up in Montana, you know, beating the Bobcats in Boz in Bozeman, falling to the Grizz by two in, in Missoula. You hate to see it, but a good showing from the Wildcats. So we'll see what the, what the, the non-conf brings when the Montana teams come down to Utah and play in the O. 
Uh, but now let's talk about uh, let's, let's do our C block, hot or not. I've got some takes for you guys, and um, uh, I'm going to see if you guys think my take is hot or not. So let's start out with the first one. Um, Dan, since you're the first time on here, I'm going to let you go first. My take is Weber State will not finish as the regular season champion and the number one seed. Is that a hot take or maybe not a hot take? It's not. You're, you're breaking my heart. You, you, you got to believe. <laughs> so not but, a hot take or it is a hot take? You're going to have to explain a hot take. Hot take as in it's a bad call or a good call? Oh, wow. We're, we're well, getting academic I mean, here, Colby. Yeah, we are getting <laughs> academic. So hot take being, uh, you know, I'm going to go out here and say something. And uh, I th- I'm going to think I'm right. And you're going to look at that and go, man, that probably isn't going to happen. But if he's right, man, that's something. You know? Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I expect him to win. So I guess then by, yeah, so it's a hot take. <laughs> so it's a hot take. Okay. Yeah. Chappie, what about you? You think the Wildcats not being regular season champs is a hot take or not? Yeah, I do. I mean, you think it's a hot we- take? I, I I do. I think I think the, the Montana roadie tends to be like our litmus test for the season almost every year. Yeah, um, tough, for sure. We still have we still still have the. Did I read correctly that, that the that the roadie is UU to NAU? Is that the is that oh, the is that the weekend series? I believe that is the weekend series. That's going to be a rough one for a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> that, from, that is a- <laughs> to go from Cheney to Flagstaff on a, on a, on a Thursday, Saturday. Ooh. Ouch. It's a big change. That's what, I thought I saw Brett Hine tweet that out and I was like, Ooh, that's a rough one. Um, but, but either way, uh, I mean, SUU could be something this year. Maybe uh, SUU and EWU are really the only other two teams I, I have any concern with in, in the conference. So Montana, Montana state is your litmus test road, road, road series. And we split, you know, and as as the ghost of Sean Lewis will say here on the show, since he's not here to say it, went at home, split on the road, especially in the Montana roadie and they did it. So, yeah, I, I expect us, we're going to be more athletic than anybody in the conference. It's going to come down to us having how many nights where we're not hitting the three. Yeah, so looks like, no, that's not the case. February 10th, the Wildcats take the trip up to Cheney. Then the 12th over to Idaho to take Ooh, on the Vegas and that bad. fancy new facility they got up there. That's, uh, so, that's, yeah. the road, that's the road you want, then. That's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty doable road, and, and it makes sense, right? Uh, all right, guys, I'm going to move on to the next one because uh, we're running out of time here on the show. Dylan Jones will win conference player of the year. Is that a hot take or not a hot take? Dan, what do you think? I struggle with this definition. He's going to win. He's going to win. So not a hot take because, hey, it's <laughs> happening. Yeah, water's wet. The sky's blue. And yes, yep. Dylan Jones will win conference player of the year. I mean, so. three conference players of the week, and uh, we're not even halfway through conference play yet. It looks good. Chappie, what about you? So I'm going to say this at the behest of Dylan personally seeking me out at games and pounding me on the ground, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to say that it's, it's not a hot take. It's not a hot take. And it's not, not that I don't think Dylan Jones is worthy of it because he is. It's because the, the guy that usually wins that award is usually the high score in the conference. It's usually the, the, the flashy guy and DJ does everything as we've talked about here with the rebounding and stuff. he, He's going to win player of the year like Joe Ballenboy won player of the year. 
right? Yeah. It, it's 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 going to come when he when it's his team and solely his team in a couple of years, and he is absolutely dominant on the court, the dominant presence for Weber State. He, there's he, he's he's not, he's not scoring enough right now. He doesn't need to. So to me, that's why he doesn't win it. It'll be it'll be the kid from SUU, or it'll be somebody else that's putting up oh. big gaudy numbers. Well, right now that person is Northern Colorado's Dalen Counts. I mean, kid's got a lot of got a lot of highlights out there. Um, played in 14 games for them, averaging 18 points. Dylan Jones currently 11th in the conference with 13.4 points. Looking at um, looking at rebounding though, Dylan Jones number one in the conference by almost a full rebound, 10.5 over 9.8. So. I hear what you're saying, Chappie, uh, but gosh, they've given him a lot of conference players of the week. I think to be definitely on the radar. Again, I, I'm saying this at my own peril because <laughs> as we've had Dylan Jones on the show, he is, he is a very, very motivated individual. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so, yes, sir. So, yes, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this at my own peril and I realize that. All right. I'm going to have one more. And we're going to wrap up here, guys. Um, Kobe McEwen will lead the conference in scoring at the end of the season. He's currently in third place. Is that a hot take or not a hot take? I am such a homer. (laughs) 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 I I think he could do it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the way he goes out there and aggressively takes that three in the, and tries to match the threes of the other team. I mean, he was doing it against Utah mm-hmm. state. He was doing it against BYU. He said, okay, you're going to hit that three. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to shoot that three as well. Love and that. I love that man. That kind of energy right there to, uh, to keep at it. So, but if I say it's a hot take, will that motivate him to then win it? Yeah, I'm going to say it's a hot take just just in case the outside chance that he hears this and he's like, okay, I'm going to prove Dan Hubler wrong. And then he does it. So, yeah, hot take. I wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing that. Chappie, what about you? Is that a hot or not take? <laughs> so, again, I'm usually not the negative Nelly. I'm going to say it's a hot take only because I feel like Kobe, with, with the team that we have around him, with the athleticism and the scoring potential that we have around him, we don't need him to be the conference's leading scorer. You know, nope. this isn't this isn't going back to to the days where, you know, where we have you know Jarek Harden days and even you know before him where it was the hero ball type situation. Like we don't need him to do that, and so I don't think that he. If if Weber finishes the season like we hope they do in a good spot, he, he shouldn't be the conference's leading scorer. Yeah, Wildcats currently fifth in the conference, averaging 75.4 points behind uh, number one is Southern Utah, 78.4. So just three points uh, behind them. But the Wildcats have actually scored more points. They've scored almost, oh, about 40 more points on the season than than the Birds have. So, I mean, you're right. <laughs> that, doesn't mean, that-, that doesn't mean that I don't think Kobe's like by far and away the most athletic guy in the league and can take anybody in this league one-on-one right to the rack. Yep. He, he, like you saw him on Saturday, you know, over on the, the right corner angle where he was, he just dribble drove with the Montana guy into the ground and took it to the hoop. And it was like, Ooh, man, that's spectacular. It's fun to that's watch. A move. Yeah. That's a good point. All right, fellas. It doesn't need to be a high score because we have so many scores on this team. Well, very well distributed. I like that. Yeah. 
Definitely a nice thing to have because then, you know, come conference tournament time, coaches aren't scheming. Okay, we just need to shut this guy down. And then, you know, sort of like, I feel like a team a couple of years ago with Jarek Harding and, and Cody John was like that, where it's like, okay, if we can slow down Cody and Jarek, you know, the offense is really going to struggle and they will, you know, not be able to find the points that they'll need to beat us. And uh, we'll be able to do that. We definitely saw that. This team is not like that. Um, really, a, a really pretty balanced team. Um, but guys, let's talk about upcoming games. Saturday, January 8th, like JJ mentioned, Wildcats taking the trip up to Pocatello to play against Idaho State, who is the worst scoring team in the conference, currently averaging 59.2 points a game. So uh, always fun. I like Tariq Cool a lot. I think he's a really cool and fun player. But uh, Wildcats, uh, I think this one's going to be a dub, folks. Like We're a talented team, and they are just absolutely struggling in Pocatello right now. That game will be at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus or 103 the Wave. Or you can drive up there. Just drive up there and uh, be in the gym for that game. I'm sure it'll be fun. How and then Thursday, it? January... What's that? What was it? Three hours? No. No, no, no. Like an hour, 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 an hour and a half. Yeah, hour, hour, if and half. hour if you're going That's 90. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Hypothetically speaking, so... Yeah. yeah, if you were so inclined to, you know, go fast, Pocatello is a lot closer than anybody ever thinks that it is. By the way, Colby, can we start a hashtag that's uh, relegate relegate the Bengals? Like, the, <laughs> are they good? At, are they good at anything anymore? Like, at so all? they are def- they are defending conference champions in women's basketball. They will be taking on the Wildcats oh, right. in the D on Saturday. We'll talk about that tomorrow in our women's hoops game. But a good test for this Wildcats team that. By the way, the women ended up beating both the Bobcats and the Grizz this weekend oh, yeah. in the Purple Palace. So good things cooking with Coach V's squad. Um, but and, next, guys, shout, shout out to Coach V, by the way. Like, we've had her on the oh. show. We, we all said it a lot last year. Like, nobody, nobody wants her to be successful more than I'm sure she does, but more than us. I mean, we, we've been wanting this team to be successful, and it's good to see, see her have success. That's, that's a phenomenal turnaround. Yep. Uh, Went to the game on Saturday. They played really well against the Grizz, who were arguably the best team in the conference, had the best um, overall record. Um, Good team. Um, And Wildcats, I mean, it was never really in doubt. The Wildcats were always up by at least about five from about, say, the second quarter on. You know, I I could be wrong. I'd have to check the box score. But like the Wildcats, they were pretty well in command with a pretty egregious whistle. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But uh, let's, let's talk about, let's look forward to the next week. Thursday, January 13th, Idaho is in town. We take on the Wildcats in the Purple Palace, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus or 103.1 The Wave. Tickets available, WeberStateSports.com. Would love to see people get in there. Uh, I mean, I'm jealous. If you're in Ogden and you're not in the Purple Palace, shame on you because I would love to be in the Purple Palace, but I live in a different state. And then Saturday, January 15th, uh, Eastern Washington coming to town. That game, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus or 103.1 The Wave. Tickets available at WeberStateSports.com. Um, a game to watch, guys. This Ewood team is very scrappy. By the way, they beat Washington State, who throttled the Wildcats by 34. Um, a scrappy team. Uh, this will be, I think, a hard-fought game. I think this one will be close. All right. And so, guys, we'll, we'll wrap up the show. Got any questions? Got an idea? Want to talk to me? Email me. WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. You can get us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash WeberStateWeekly. And I uh, haven't been doing too much with the blog lately. I've been pretty busy at work. Uh, WeberStateWeekly.com is the blog, but not a lot of new content there lately. So uh, that's it. We'll wrap up the show like we usually do, fellas. We've gone a little bit over today. We'll say it. WeberState, WeberState. Great. 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 Oh! Go Wildcats. Oh!